Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling, tantalising episode of the Bond Daft Project. Ranking Bond continues. This episode is about Bond and his MI6 colleagues, is so far the title of the of the category. Joined remotely with my Bond aficionados, Gordon Webster. Good afternoon, Mr. Barry. Good afternoon, Steve McCall. A very good afternoon, almost evening to you all. And I've said in the last ones, Francis Murphy is still out. Uh, the back pain uh, has unfortunately meant he has had to sideline today, so he won't be joining us. Uh, he has provided his nominees, though, his, um, his ones he wants us to give a nod to. We will do that. Yeah, so we are here to talk about our favourite scenes with Moneypenny, Q and M and any worse ones as well if we have any to discuss this is not uh this is going to take a different structure to the previous podcasts uh we're not going to be getting to like a top one and, and a runner-up and debating as a collective we will just have our own versions just talk about them why we like them things like that um just as a discussion really so yeah different different to we've got to mix it up so that's how we're doing this one let's start with let's start with Money Penny. Um, we'll start with Money Penny. We'll go around with our favourite Money Penny uh, scenes. Gordon, you want to discuss your favourite Money Penny scene? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell you probably my favourite, and then maybe a couple of yeah, yeah, um, other contenders. I was always thinking if there's a best bond in Money Penny scene, it's got to be between Sean Connery and, and Lewis Mac Lewis Maxwell. The the chemistry between them was was so good, so strong throughout of Sean's films and it was hard to pick the best. There's just there's real sexual tension chemistry been between the two of them. There's they're both um you see very quickly you find out a lot a lot about, a lot about both characters. They're not Money Penny's not just sort of there as a just a sort of functionary role, you know, that she's she's fleshed out a fair bit. The best one for me is you only live twice. So this is after Bond's death has been staged. He appears, it's <laughs> it's just so kind of um, cheeky and out there. Bond appears on, I think it's essentially meant to be M Submarine, wearing his full Navy gear. Moneypenny's sitting at the desk wearing the the Wren's outfit, her sort of Navy outfit. And then, in the, in the light one of you pointed out, it's so good how, despite the fact it's in a submarine, it's the exact, almost the exact same setup as the way the offices are in the in the in back in London, and uh, Bond he still tosses his hat into the hat stand. Just there's there's just good banter between the two of them. I feel that it's especially because Bond there's the the first scene and then Bond goes and talks to him and then there's the second scene as he goes out. So you you don't you get a fairly good bit in both. So it's not some sometimes it's a briefer scene with Money Penny, but I think it's. There's just some. It's mostly the the dialogue. There's just some brilliant one-liners from both characters. With Bond, he says going in, "Oh, us corpses have no sense of time." He says because he's obviously his death's been staged, and I can't I can't remember what Money Penny says. But there's a nice little exchange. And then going out again, there's a nice exchange, and she says she says to him, "What about that girl we set you up with in in Hong Kong?" And he's like, "What girl?" <laughs> just like cheekily back to her, and he's. And then he says, "Oh, another two seconds, I would have found out." It's just that. It's just you know, there's real good thought. That's not just. It's not like a rush. A lot of you can look at some of the latter films. The the dialogue was maybe 
they weren't really putting enough wit into it. There's some just you know, there's there's some good little subtle jokes in there and then Bond's on his way out and Money Penny goes, Oh James and she tosses the the little book, says instant Japanese, you may need it and then you think that's it, great one liner, but of course Bond like with everything he has a a great little witticism to respond, he's he's like you forget, I took a first in Oriental languages at Cambridge and he tosses it back and she smiles. You just the, the smiles, the looks between them, that yeah. sort of epitomized the whole the entire catalogue of like Connery and Lois Maxwell scenes. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a great one Doctor No, great one Goldfinger. There's a great scene between the two of them or all of them, but I think that's probably the top one for me. Okay. Excellent. Uh Steve, what's your uh favourite money penny scene? My nomination here is going to be from The Living Daylights. And from memory, it's the first time we actually see her out from behind a desk and researching. She's kind of in the big, um, almost sort of laboratory where everyone's um, kind of at work. And it's just, it's just so nice not to see her stuck behind the desk, effectively, as M's secretary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really refreshing. And I was actually kind of gutting, I think, to see her back behind the desk again for License to Kill. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. A good scene, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, good yep. choice. Okay, uh, we'll do Fran's choice now. Oh, Yeah, there's that little bit of chemistry, because although I um, see, um, what's her name? Um, she, she, was, she played so Money the, Penny. That was the first Carol- of the recasting of Money Penny. Yeah, Caroline yes. Bliss, yeah, because she she'd unfortunately for her it was very brief because it was just those two films but there's i like the chemistry and it gives you she says to bond doesn't she she's this is like one of our most sort of like open um, moments towards him like actually openly inviting him to do something she says like she's like anytime you want to come around and listen to my barry manilow cl- collection yeah and then but the, the only thing is it's like dalton's bond that it's like he doesn't really seem interested but with uh but with connery's that you know you could tell there's there's real sexual tension there yeah it's almost but like i liked her though it was an equal sexual tension maybe just slightly more on in the connery era with with money penny but with dalton it was purely her coming on to dalton and dalton shrugging yeah. off <laughs> the other good thing really just that before that, that i so i was just gonna say just before that as well steve another thing i don't know if you liked as well as she um she, so she helps she's not just there just to talk to bond she's actually supplying bond with, with useful intelligence and she says about this um this female assassin she's like oh she's been known to like strangle um, men with her thighs or something she's like she's just your type james you know that's a nice little line i think a golden eye you're talking yeah. about yeah no no this was uh, no, no i see what you mean with Zen, obviously. <laughs> yeah. no, it's a very brief like it's kind of it's easy to not notice it but um, Caroline Bliss's money penny says there's a photo of some because um, I think they're looking for to see who this female assassin was and it's this other woman comes up and she says oh this woman's been known to to kill people using her thighs so that you know that I don't know if that that's similar to Zenny obviously but she says oh it's just she's just your type James and he's right. like wrong again money penny you are <laughs> yeah all right okay so Fran's favorite he wanted to uh, to nominate um, is Skyfall. The opening sequence with Money Penny when she shoots Bond, uh, ah. his rationale being obviously this is a completely different style of Money Penny. Uh, it's not even revealed that at the time it is Money Penny. You only find out from the end of the film. But um, he liked this idea of the field agent version, um, and obviously, if 
if you were to just take that sequence isolated from the film, that's a strong, amazing section for money. That's an amazing showcase of the Money Penny character. Obviously, the arc is maybe backwards, unfortunately. Um, that she. Yeah. So if you were to show someone, then you would really want it just to be that isolated scene. It's kind of what Fran was trying to explain. But I like that Money yeah. Penny was kind of for a moment the focus of the scene she she had for a moment she had she was the main character and bond was kind of a side character bond was the one that um you know it was it was money penny that was the that was making the choice things like that obviously with em in her ear so i think that was the kind of strong element to her character that fran fran liked and he wanted to highlight which is obviously an interesting you know that's an interesting choice considering the other ones we've got which is it's again it's the strength of the character and what they've done to an extent, you know, obviously they've went backwards a bit now, haven't they? Really, with Money Penny, but yeah, that was uh, at Fran's favourite Money Penny scene. I uh, think that scene was particularly necessary as well because one of the criticisms, obviously, of the Bond franchise was the sort of um, inherent and obviously sort of subtle sort of sexism and sort of subservient female roles, and Money Penny was always there. The subservient secretary lusting after Bond always comes across a bit pathetic. But seeing that backstory, getting that backstory to Money Penny and seeing what she's actually, in the past at least, been capable of, and the impression you get from the film, I think, is that it's kind of ending up in that secretary world. It was almost her choice. She realizes she messed up. And she went, actually, you know what? I think my, my role is behind the scenes doing this kind of work, which gives you the, okay, right. So she's not just taken on as a sexy secretary she gave it a shot and decided that that was the best place for her so in that respect giving money penny eventually it took a good 20 odd films or so but giving her that backstory i think was vital so i think that's a very good shout as a a good money penny scene yeah that's actually an interesting yeah that's an interesting perspective so yeah you can you can kind of defend it a bit better actually that's 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 interesting yeah. Yeah. Um I was toying with this because I feel like you're right, Gordon, Lois Maxwell really is uh, you know, the money penny and to, to to choose for me, obviously, my first instinct was to go with Goldeneye, Samantha Bond. I love the dialogue there. Yes, good. I I, I did really think of that as a strong contender. I, I think it's a tie, so I'll quickly just very quickly on that, I'm gonna take a cop out and have two, but the 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 the, the other one is a short one. But um essentially it's you know the the dialogue between Samantha Bond and the Pierce Brosnan. You get the sense things have changed a little. Bond's coming in with his you know innuendos as they call it and, and one liners and things like that. But she's she's been out on a date. You know she's moved on. She's got other things going on and all that kind of stuff. But they still have that playful exchange. You know you have to make do on your innuendos and all that kind of stuff. Great dialogue, uh, one upmanship between the two, just in a very short sequence. He's leading lead, led towards M's office. Yeah. Uh, they nailed it with with Samantha Bond in that film, and I don't think she was ever quite as good. I, d- I don't think they wrote her as well. The preceding, the succeeding films, I actually don't yeah. like what they did with um, was it Die Another? Was it The World Is Not Enough or Die Another Day? Where they have that final sting at the end with her when she's imagining that she's Bond is making out with her and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The VR scene, yeah, that was Die Another Day. Yeah, um, I just yeah, it wasn't for me, but the the golden eye version of her character I like, but not to take away from Lois Maxwell. I think Lois Maxwell had a, you know, obviously it goes without saying she is the money penny. How many films she did, and I think you're right, Gordon, with the the early Sean Connery ones, the the chemistry was fantastic, not matched really yeah. with the Roger Moore either. Um, yeah, 
I mean, I, I would say she. Yeah, I would. I would say like so. It's hard to choose between which of the one. I was thinking initially just the first one, the Doctor No one, when he, he leans over and it feels like they're about to kiss and all this kind of stuff. There's a kind of they're close, you know. <laughs> HR should really have got involved, but um, the other one that strike that I just think of that I actually had. I remember a very half second moment of kind of emotion just seeing her was in on Her Majesty's Secret Service when it cuts. Ooh, yeah. When it cuts to Money Penny as Bond is, you know, they're driving away, they're married, and does she catch the the bouquet or what? I can't remember, but oh yeah, it's you feel you feel so sorry for uh, her there that you just tears yeah. in her eyes. Yeah. Oh. I just, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I felt so, so much for her. Like, I just, you just wanted to hug her. <laughs> and it just, yeah. it was just, yeah, a wonderfully played scene. I thought she was great. And so that, for some reason, you know, that little moment uh, is one of the ones that I think was a great little touch in Money Penny. So, yeah, there we go. Well, that's quite, uh, yeah. we've covered a hell of a lot of different eras. I think, that you know, four different bonds there. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with a couple of those points as well. See, first of all, um, fleshing out Money Penny's character so she's not always behind her desk, done well on Skyfall. There was like shades of that, and, and the other point I was going to agree to with you with was that with Samantha Bond's Money Penny, unfortunately, after Goldeneye, she was relegated to mostly sitting behind a desk. But like Steve McCall mentioned, you know, it's a good scene, The Loving Day. Like she's actually she's not just she's actually contributing something in that because she's given a bit of useful intelligence she's obviously she's also helping bond to go under the radar by um keeping it quietly he's actually going to bratislava to find cara and then the film after i mean she really i mean she she could have been out of a job for this like she's going behind them's back to get <laughs> q to help bond out in his city like to help to go on his revenge mission against sanchez and you can even say there's maybe shades of it earlier on the likes of Thunderball. Like she's at least she's contributing something. With Bond, um, I mean, this is just really the right. I mean, Bond is on the phone to her, and like she's she's just nah. This is maybe this isn't even worth mentioning. But you know, he's mentioning about how he saw that in the health farm. He saw the um, the like the tattoo and Count Lippy, and he's like passing on the instructions. So she's like helping him down the phone. Mm-hmm. So there was like shades of that, but it probably wasn't until the Dalton either that she started. Uh, probably not till then. She really, you know, was fleshed out a bit more rather than just sitting behind a desk. Yeah, yeah. Is there any you feel are the weakest of Money Penny moments? I could probably mention a couple. So I'll quickly say what Fran had written. He didn't particularly point out a specific film. For Money Penny, uh, he just said the Moor era. I think his the Moor era for him was kind of weak. The chemistry was gone, and I can kind of agree with that. I don't think the the wit, as you mentioned it, Gordon, quite rightly, I think was kind of out of it. They got a bit lazy with some of the dialogue. I think they felt it was a bit yeah. they just forced it in there, move on to the scene. They didn't have any intelligence behind it. The way that later bond like goldeneye and also earlier bond with the sean connery stuff i don't think so i can i can agree yeah. with that is there any films you want to nominate or talk about as a particular one you don't really feel worked i'm gonna agree actually with the the Murira in general i think what they've done is of as we mentioned the um chemistry between sean connery's bonds and money penny was kind of sexy sultry mm-hmm. And then it got to Moore, and it almost became kind of smutty. Almost, it was it was played for humor rather than sort of genuine chemistry. Yeah, yeah. which I think I, we can see. I mean, at the time, the audience were probably rolling about in the aisles laughing, but you can see how it it was it was played for laughs over 
genuine chemistry, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. The only bad money penny scene I've really got down, which again is it was it was a bit funny, but it was a bit annoying. It's the one we mentioned. It's the the scene with the VR glasses mm. from Die Another Day, yeah. where she's obviously getting it on with Bond, and then it turns out it's all just virtual reality. Yeah. Yeah, I gave the game away. That was probably my worst as well. And also, there's one. It's not so much Money Penny herself. It's just that one line in Tomorrow Never Dies when they just forget all nuance and just start talking about pumping for like for yeah, Par- yeah. Paris Carver. And it's that scene with them. Yeah. And it's just like you know, pump from information and Money Penny kind of says you just have to decide how much pumping needs or whatever. And it's just. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not really a money penny scene. It's an ensemble scene, so it's not yeah. against her. But it's things like that where they they lose me. But the Dying Day, if it is Dying Day, I think it's Dying Day one. Yeah, is uh, probably my my least favorite. Gordon, any you want to talk about? Yeah, probably would agree with you. The Dying Day one. Yeah, um, one these wouldn't be worse scenes, but a couple of bits where I I wondered a little bit. You know how in the corner era you got the impression that they were very close and there was this real sexual tension that obviously because of the jobs around, nothing could really happen. And then obviously when Bond gets married, she's actually tearful, but then only two films later, it's kind of good to right? See when Bond, at the beginning of Live and Let it Die, Moore's first scene, M and Money Penny go to his house and she kind of helps cover for him, you know, to, to hide the fact from M that that, um, that Italian girl's in his house. But, and she doesn't like it doesn't seem to hurt her too much to do it, but it kind of goes against that sort of. You get the impression from the way she was in on Her Majesty's at the end, stuff that she would maybe be jealous of that sort of scene. So that sort of is taken that away. So I don't know if someone can change as quickly as that. Okay, right. Well, we move on then, and we'll move on to M. Now, uh, I'll give a rendition of what Fran has said for his favourite of M scene kind of mentioned by you gordon uh you only live twice uh, it's the scene when bond uh enters and he's in the commander uh the sort of naval outfit i think fran it's kind of similar to what you know the office looks the same things like that uh fran just really liked th- that whole section i suppose so he's he's nominated as an m category uh, m uh just because i think he just liked that the idea that the, the place looks the same as the the London office, all these kind of things, and that kind of humour there, the subtle humour that they had. So that's his nomination for uh, favourite M scene. Steve, you got a, an M scene you want to talk about? Yeah, the one, and it's I suppose it's relatively sad, but the M scene for me that really stands out is her death, actually, in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so moving, it's so brilliantly cinematically done, it's well shot, it looks for a, a death scene it looks beautiful the dialogue's genuinely touching it's genuinely heartfelt you've got the actual sadness there from bond at seeing his boss effectively dying in his arms um that that for me obviously the character of him has done some fantastic stuff but watching judy dench's m go out was absolutely stunning yeah. as i see it's yeah. one of the there's very few scenes and bond's not a film that you you find yourself emotionally touched by there are it's usually characters dying, Tracy, obviously, mm-hmm. um, Vesper to an extent. But um, yeah, M in Skyfall, for me, I think, yep. is uh, it probably, cinematically anyway, my top. Yep, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Good good choice. Gordon, what about yourself? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you what I think is, for me, definitely undeniable the best fallback. You know, I, I 
good runner-up. I would say it's got to be, for me, the the opening meeting, the first time you see Bond and them together in Doctor No. Mm. There's something incredibly atmospheric about the whole opening London since the Doctor No. And you got to remember there was very limited technology. I was a very low budget for that film, but they, you really get the impression Bond goes into the Universal-like sports office. It's 3 a.m., they say. Money Penny's still at our desk. M's still in his office. You feel that it's... Somehow I find you feel that it's a cold, wintry middle of the night in London and it's the tension between Bond and Emmett the way Connery looks at Bernard Lee you can tell he's, he's slightly edgy going into his office and he walks in man he's wearing, he's still wearing his casino tuxedo, his dinner jacket um, this is the M I love and I love how they're getting back to this a bit with Ray Fiennes but Bernard Lee's M he's got the pipe in his hand mm-hmm. he's got the grey suit, he just he doesn't even look at Bond as yeah. he comes in, the office is just yep. staring at paperwork on his desk, and he and he just he says, it happens to be 3am, where's your sleep 007? And Bond, you can tell there's fear in his voice. It's the only guy that Bond would ever be slightly fearful of. The only guy he would ever meet. And there's just such, there always was just such great chemistry between Sean Connery and, Des, and uh, Bernard Lee. And then, so you've got that. Um, so M gives him a sort of brief rundown of the mission, the disappearance of Strangways. And yet Bond's, Bond's like, fine. And he's preparing to turn his heel and go out. And then, and then M says, I've got the armourer to come in. And the armourer walks in and he says to Bond really aggressively, he's like, take off your jacket. Yep. And to me, that I mean, Bernard Lee's completely just honing the Bond from the books throughout yeah. that scene perfectly. Even when that armourer, like a, a small, a smaller more minor character that he is um, you, the look in his face as he comes into the room is like he knows there's tension brewing there mm-hmm. and you can tell the Connery's expressions Bernard Lee's expressions, it just says it all and then he's got the whole thing he tells Bond that he shouldn't be using the beretta anymore and he's really kind of, he's giving Bond some, he's just, he's I mean, he's deliver- he's, he's de- just Bernard Lee's delivering the lines quite aggressively mm-hmm. and Connery, he just sort of accepts and it's the Connery tries to sneak, still sneak the beretta out of the room, even though he's been told he's not to use it. And M does it. He doesn't even look up. He's just still sitting at the desk. And he goes, eh, double seven, leave the beretta. Yep. And he, he has to leave the gun. Yep. So that, oh, it's, it's magical. That seems truly, truly magical. I love it. I was yeah. just- it was one of the ones I was going to choose. Uh, I had a backup in case, but that was pretty much one of my, probably my favorite. So you've mu- described it so much better than I could have. Um, I love that. M speaks to to Bond like no other person does. I commented in the podcast that is someone who he has above him. You know, he speaks to Bond as an inferior, and um, even villains don't do that. They still Bond yeah. is spoken to by the villains usually with the same re- with respect. They usually, but M doesn't. And uh, I even think that they don't have quite that kind of. He doesn't have that quite as abrasive tone even throughout the later films, that that sort of slightly softens. I don't think, you know, telling about, you know, the gun to use and things like that, take off your jacket. Like, it's so direct and things like that. Uh, I, I like that. That was why it was my, my favourite. Gordon, I'll let you finish. You were going to continue. Yeah, I was just going to say, I actually, a really, really great runner-up. I'm going to include this as a whole quite long scene involving M and another character. So this would be 2015 Spectre. Mm. I think... This was um, the first truly traditional scene you got between 007 and Ray Fiennes M. And it's, first of all, you've got, they've actually emulated the traditional style office from the, the earlier Bond films, which I love. 
he's acting very much the the same, well, similar to Bernard Lee's Bond, but you know, it's it's in Ray Fine's own way. And he's again, he's got his own sort of stern look. Ray finds the way he looks at Bond yeah. is, and I think Craig's acting is just so good there. I think, and it's height, it's even better when you've got Denby walking into the room or C as he's otherwise known. And there's just such a great exchange between him and Bond. He's trying to, you can tell he's trying to be a bit of a smart ass with Bond and. You know, he doesn't even want to shake Bond's hand. The way it's the way Daniel Craig sort of looks at him, a glint in his eye, and he's he says, "Oh, oh please, please call me Max." And he's like, "No, I, I think I'll call you C, C." <laughs> and he just, it's, Craig's just got a glint in his eye, and then, and and it's the way Denby looks at Bond up and down. He says, "We're about to bring MI6 out of the dark ages and into into the light, or something like that." And he looks Bond up and down, and and the way Craig responds to that, he just sort of raises his eyebrow. Roger Moore he goes. That all sounds lovely. It's you know that's that's classic James Bond to me. That's that if if you look at that as a whole scene, you could say M and Bond in its own great, but the whole thing with Denby, I think, is just great. Yeah, I think you've amazingly you've covered the first and the last of the Bond and M scenes, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I uh, so obviously I I would have went with Doctor No, and then obviously my instinct to suddenly jump to Goldeneye. Um, but I would want to quickly talk about the GoldenEye just because I think Judy Dench's M is fantastic. So there's obviously the introduction scene with Tanner where Tanner speaks about her and sort of derogatory, you know, evil queen of numbers won't let you play it. And obviously M's beside him and he kind of looks foolish. But she doesn't really get to really showcase her stuff. And I, I was reading the, the, watching the commentaries and the interviews and things like that. She was incredibly nervous when on the set. The, the cast and crew were all excited to have her. Like they couldn't believe what they got. But she was nervous coming on to Bond. Like she felt that she wasn't good enough for that. You know, just this, you know, brilliant uh, casting choice. But um, she said by the second day, her nerves were better. And that was the day filming with Pierce Brosnan in the, uh, in the office. And they have that tremendous exchange, you know. Um, not one line of dialogue is wasted where they're establishing where Bond has been, where it is now. They're establishing key plot details, but also character moments. You know, you know, she kind of cottons on to the fact that he thinks she is just a numbers woman and things like that and doesn't have true instincts. And uh, then he kind of like agrees, yes. And then she obviously admits what she thinks of him and it's the, obviously the famous the uh, dinosaur misogynist dinosaur, misogynist dinosaur yeah. a remnant of the cold <laughs> war era i know she's got the she, if you don't think i've got the balls to send the man out to die you know i will but yeah uh, i wouldn't do it on a compulsion or whatever it's just there's a stillness as well both are really staring and they, they it's not it's like uh they're giving each other i think it's just a fantastic dynamic between the two of them um uh, there's a chemistry there that is felt straight from the off and it ends with that kind of lovely you know don't go out to die or whatever it is uh line it's just yeah it's one of my favorites but again i'm, I'm a cliche i'm picking golden eye again if i was to pick another one uh it would be license to kill just the i, I remember at the time not liking it as much but it's grown on me quite a bit now the dalton's performance with with uh, robert brown's m who we've not really mentioned i really liked you know, it's not a country club 007 where he's kind of not going to give up his his arms and 
It'll be, it'll be. It's, it's just a fantastic scene. The tension in Dalton plays it beautifully. But it's just a fantastic yeah. scene for the two of them. Um, yes, it's a farewell to arms. Yeah. yeah. And it's the way Dalton looks at him as well. You can see when he says, your license to kill is revolts. You can, that's like, you know, taking... I was about to say, it's like, you know, it's almost like taking Bond's manhood away. It's like you see the rage in his eyes. when See if you look at Dalton's expression when he says, your license to kill has been revoked, just staring at the ground. Yeah. Bloody, really skillful acting there. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's more on Bond's side, but as a scene for M, it's a fantastic, just seeing M there, it's a different dynamic. It's he's almost almost like a villain moment, you know. He's he's Bond could be in peril here. Like it's a weird turn yeah. for the character. Um, I'm surrounded by all the well, they're henchmen, but they're all agents, you know. Like they're meant to be the good guys, and it's and from our perspective as as Bond, uh, you know, we're seeing eyes from Bond's point of view. We're, we're, it's for a moment where things turn. He's a villain. It's it's interesting. It's a great scene. So yeah. I really agree with what you said about Goldeneye as well, mm-hmm. Steve. And you know, if that's Jude, Judy Dench when she's nervous, again, that is incredibly skillful acting. Uh-huh. Someone who's apparently nervous. Well, yeah, it was the first day, I think, when they were doing the scene with Tanner. She's like, she was just like, because I could see it in the behind the scenes interview with her, and they were just talking to her, and she had this. She looked really vulnerable the way she was saying. I was just, I was really nervous yesterday, but uh, I'm at camera today, and it was like, wow, it was a very bit of. You can't believe that it was just she's so good, and obviously she gets all these plaudits and things like that. But you know she's just as as nervous as any other actor. You know it kind of was an interesting kind of perspective to to see that. I quite yeah, just made me appreciate her even more. But yeah, it was Golden Eye is obviously is probably my favorite. But fully would have went with Doctor No as well. I love that um, that first M scene is fantastic. So yeah. Great M. Is there any we think are the worst of M scenes for the franchise? Is there any you want to? Is there any that come to mind? Yeah, I struggle to think of a bad M scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I mean, it's probably the one that mentioned for me is "Tomorrow Never Dies," and it's literally just the dialogue at the end of that car scene when they're talking about pumping for information. I just think it's so lazy, but it's not specifically really an M scene. It's more of like the ensemble, and it's just lazy yeah. dialogue. It's just I'm trying to think. If there is I love how the likes are there and in Goldeneye, Judy Dench's um, I know they've obviously it's obviously a big change up both in the in the story of the Bond world and just as you know, as a film goes, having a female M, but you know, she still retains a lot of the hardness of like the Bernard Lee and the Robert Brown one. She's having a drink, I don't know if it's a cognac in Goldeneye with the scene the office and in the car and tomorrow never dies. But yeah, I guess I'm I'm starting to think if there's gonna be a worse scene between Bond and M, it's maybe out of I'm thinking maybe out of tomorrow never dies or the world's not enough possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or die die another day. I don't know. I, I I feel like there's it's hard to say a worse one, but there's I think if there's gonna be one, it's maybe out of those three it, films. For, it might be um the world is not enough. I just think having him captured and all this kind of stuff is a bit much. I don't know if the Yeah. I just think actually it might be that for me. Um the whole cat- captured plot when she's in the Electric King's kind of hideaway or whatever. It just, mm, yeah, that's probably my weak, my weakest, I would say. I think if we're going to look at weak scenes involving M and including kind of ensemble scenes, it would I would probably say the scenes that we got at the end of mostly the Moore films. Actually, also, you've just, sorry. That's the world is not enough. That's where it's Brand's kind of worst. Bond's, ah, right, Bond getting kind of caught in a uh, compromising situation and it's it's usually M and Q together catching them either via video link 
or there's that terrible one with the big and Margaret Thatcher. Oh, um, yeah. And kind of just at the very, very end of the film, just before the end credits, and it's sort of, uh, those scenes, they, they were funny at first, but they got a little bit much. And then bringing it back, I think it was at The World Is Not Enough, where um, it was, um, I've, in fact, I'll come to that because we're about to talk about Q, but those scenes at the very end, it was particularly the Moore films. Yeah, that's the thing. Catching Bond. I just, I didn't, it, they were a bit, um, just a bit, they got a bit cheesy and involving um, yeah. in those scenes. Just it kind of took away from them. Just sort of yeah. That's funny you mention that, Steve. That is pretty much the exact thing Fran has put. He has listed worst M um, as Moonraker specifically, but I, he did say that it's usually always these ones where it's that kind of humorous sort of bond is caught having sex with the female they always call in, you know, um, that kind of it's reused kind of humor. Um, he has put the end of the world is not enough as well, actually, there. And I'm trying to remember what it is about that yeah the, the end of the end of the world is not enough um i have got on my list um but i've got it in my queue sec right, so okay. i may come back to that well i think if we've covered them then i don't if gordon unless you've got any weakest ones you want to mention or if we want to just go on to queue yeah well is it not really a weakest scene but i think something's where the humor works best between bond and m is not necessarily when bond's always there not the, you can tell they're going for the humour but constantly rehashing that same ending Bond been caught in bed with a woman and you know it does get a bit repetitive a bit of subtle humour is like I mean see on in the end you only live twice it's only for a few seconds Money Penny and and Emma in the M sub and Bond's out in the dinghy with uh, with Kissy Suzuki and then he's obviously been he's been kind of smashed up a bit in the volcano base and and Money Penny says, "Oh, double sims up there." And he's like, he just very aggressively. Bernard Lee's just like, "Tell him to come down and report." <laughs> he doesn't care what sort of state he's in. He's like, he needs to get down here and report. So it's like, rather than going to the sort of cheesier humor, I think that's where it maybe it's the subtle humor like that works best. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Right, okay, we'll move on to Q then. Um, right, should we start? Well, I suppose we should start with the best Q before we got into the worst of the Q stuff. I uh, will just see what. Fran has put here. Okay, so Fran has seen that he wanted mentioned, uh, funnily enough, is The World Is Not Enough. It's Q's final scene. Um, yeah, it's a pretty strong one to start with. I think that was a really touching moment. Obviously, there's the silliness of you bit with R and John Cleese's character before it, which kind of detracts a little for me, but the actual moments, Desmond Lyle and Pierce Brosnan, and you know that the the actors Desmond Llewellyn spoke very highly of Pierce Brosnan. He was very, you know, he liked all the Bonds. Not to say that he preferred any of them, but he certainly had a lot of praise. He thought he was a very gracious ma- man, Pierce Brosnan. And I think Pierce Brosnan did the same respect for for Desmond Llewellyn. So that they they getting to play the goodbye scene quite touching, as a Bond fan, as but as Q, you know, says that line, uh, make sure you've always got a good escape route or escape plan or something like that, and any sort of Sort of the descends into the into the secret whatever it is I don't know how he's done it but it was amazing um, final way to say goodbye to that's that's how you how do you get, say goodbye to that character that legacy that that's how you do it they wrote that perfectly as flawed as that film is that was a great moment so yeah well chosen from Fran Gordon you want to choose a scene for Q yeah now a very close runner up just briefly would be. It's a very simple scene. It's a very brief scene. Tomorrow Never Dies, 
Brosen's Bond he's eyeing up Alec Carver's newspaper in the in the airport and he hears a voice in his ear. If you just sign here, Mr. Bond, it's, it's Desmond Llewellyn's queue in the full like Avis car rental outfit. It's it's just the looks between the two of them, the chemistry, um, just for like 20, 30 seconds, however long it lasts. He's going through all the insurance, waiver things that Bond might need to his car. He's like property destruction, mm-hmm. personal injury, and Bond, yeah. Bond it's like they're, they're partly um, they're partly pretending that they're that they're discussing real car insurance but bond bond's giving him a you know response in a cheeky way you can see that glint in his eye you can see that slight anger in desmond Llewellyn's eye mm-hmm. and especially that final line is like rosen's like um hopefully not but accidents do happen and and cues like they frequently do with you yeah, yeah. and then i just think so that's a simple great scene um but i think what just shades it for me it's quite hard um I don't think you can quite beat the chemistry between Connery's Bond and Desmond Llewellyn's Q. I think that's unbeatable. There's a great, obviously, see, I feel Goldfinger's one introducing an Aston Martin DB5 is great, but it's you must be joking. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really good. It was so it was so ahead of its time, and just the the decision Guy Hamilton made to just change up that whole thing that was even in the books. Let's actually make Q have a slight rivalry between Bond. But I think as great as that is, they enhance it even more in the film that follows it in Thunderball. Now, Bond's out in the Bahamas. It's already been established after one film. He's got a little bit of a kind of rivalry between Q because of the disrespect he has for his gadgets. Bond's at the sort of MI6 safe house. And out of the corner of his eye, in comes Q, Hawaiian shirt, hat on, um, sort of sun hat. Bond just noticing him out of the corner of his eyes, like, oh no. <laughs> it's just that, it just, that just t- kind of tells you all you need to know. And then just, just some brilliant dialogue. Bond is so cheeky to him. Um, he's got, he shows Bond the underwater camera and Bond's like, is that clever? And he's like, if you can take photos with an infrared lens in the dark, yes. <laughs> you know, he gets so offended by Bond knocking his, his gadgetry and then the whole thing about the little pill that he needs to swallow the, and then the rebreather and then Bond is fiddling with equipment there's just it's so packed full of cheekiness and just it's the chemistry between Connery's Bond and I think Roger Moore did it well as well and some of the others but I think it's unbeatable it's again it's a fairly simple and brief scene but it, that just kind of sums up the whole relationship between Bond and the Quartermaster I think yep Okay, okay. Steve? I'm going to go License to Kill. Mm. And it's going through my notes, uh, looking for kind of best cue scenes. This is one that jumps out. And it's, yeah, he turns up kind of in the hotel unexpectedly. He checks in as, his, uh, as Bond's uncle, Uncle Q. Um, and I just, I like the sort of the discovery of him and his, the way he's, he's basically attacked by Dalton in the hotel room and just kind of gets up and brushes himself off and goes up. Thought that might happen, um, and this is—I just there's the right kind of mixture of because what you want from a good Q scene is the exasperation that Q has with Bonds that has to be kind of in there, but with that little bit of fatherly concern, you know that Q just gets annoyed with Bond, but he loves him really. <laughs> He's very sort of protective of him. Very well put. Yeah. So you need those kind of two elements, and then just a little bit of humor. So obviously Q goes through the various gadgets, and the gadgets in this point—they're not. They're not stupid or outlandish. They're not invisible cars. They kind of they make sense to the plot. 
think one of them was a, a ticking alarm clock or whatever, explosive <laughs> alarm clock. That was it, which is yeah. brilliant. And then after that, he just completely kind of unannounced walks into Bond's bedroom and goes, right, I'm, I'm tired now. And just sort of, sort of testing out the beds. So you have to go, right, I'm taking one of those. And Dalton's clearly furious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I hope you don't snore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful little scene. It's kind of, it's got all the little elements that you want yeah. from the Q scene in there. So I, I particularly enjoy that one. Yeah. Yeah. The Q scenes between him and Bond are built in very simple humor. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love Subtle it. Subtle humor. Yeah. yeah. It's fun for everyone. You can kind of, I don't, you couldn't really get offended by it. It's fantastic. And the funny thing about Desmond Llewellyn is they always say that he is the worst at gadgets in any technology. Like he's really bad and he struggles to understand a lot of the dialogue that he's saying, but you would never know watching it, you know, as uh, it's, it's fully believable. That's why he's, he's great. Right. That was, that was kind of my one. Um, I, yeah. I'm trying not to go with Goldeneye just because that is just ridiculous. Now I mention it in every single chance I get. I do but like the Goldeneye Q scene is brilliant. Yeah, that is the thing. <laughs> I do think they nail it, all of these the, the, the characters there. It's the build up of all of the silliness of the things happening in amongst and and the Q's laboratory when he's talking to him. He's going through the gadgets and you're seeing you know someone the girl that's sitting in the chair and it, it like the it flies out the way backwards. There's the guy in the telephone box that it like but it's yeah. the the Q and Bond don't acknowledge it. That's what I love about it. It's that <laughs> I know, kind of I like know. that's that's the Bond humour at its best. That's sort of they yeah. know it's absurd. It is so ridiculous, but they just don't acknowledge it and that's why it's funny. There's no one liner about it. Um you know, you've got the 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 pen he's like how many Pierce Brosnan's obviously like presses it three times like how long did you say it was? It's, oh, grow up, 007. And it ends with that, don't touch that. That's my lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The way it, it cuts as well. I think there's a great, there's a great degree of le- levity to, to the Q scene because there's quite a, quite a hard scene between Bond and M before, quite, you know, where it's very, very serious, you know? Yeah. You can tell that Pierce Brosnan, and it's probably early, early days of filming, and he's like, I think he did say that he, he loved that. That was a that was a fun day because he was still nervous about doing the role, um, and try, his first day was with um, you know, Valentin, uh, Robbie Coltrane, and he says it was great, but it was nerve wracking because he was put up there in amongst you know this cla- you know classically trained actor and things like that, and he was kind of like worried that he would he he was still trying to figure out how he portrays his Bond and stuff like that, and then it, you know he started to relax and he kind of felt his feel, and then he got the cue scene. And he said, "Yep, yeah, that was fun," because Desmond Llewellyn eased you in. He was he, the the chemistry built up off camera that they and, and that's why he he loved Desmond Llewellyn and yeah it came across in that scene so yeah that would be my favorite as cliche as I am I know I'm a parody of myself at this point but uh, yeah a fantastic scene uh, Q is a great character and there's not really many moments I would say are weakest points and we kind of touched on it with the the weakest of M and it's similar really with Q I think there's only Fran mentioned his worst one was the uh, I'm going to try and get the film right. I think it's A View to a Kill. Is it the one when Q's piloting the little robot thing? Um, and Bond, of course, having sex or whatever, like in bed with the woman. Uh, and Q's yeah. doing the whole pervy thing. Just a wee bit hmm, weirdly judged, I think. I don't know. 
that's probably my weakest moment for as, as well if I was to agree I was to point out one uh, Steve you were going to mention the world is not enough were you yeah well uh, to be honest the weakest cue in general I think was just John Cleese I, oh, I know he yeah. did a huge role but I didn't like him as Q he just and I I, I feel bad saying that because obviously um, John Cleese is a world class comic actor but he was his Q I don't know if it was just badly written and if John Cleese was just doing the best he could with a bad script, but he was particularly bad. And the the one that stuck out for me was the end of The World Is Not Enough. And it it was they they got rid of that whole finding Bond in a compromising position at the end of the film thing, like several films before. And then suddenly it was gone back and it was a he 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 makes some comment about being premature or something like that, very obvious. And then he ends on a joke about the millennium bug. Which just hasn't it is it dated the whole Millennium Bug thing dated so quickly. Yeah, but as it's almost like the last line of the film, and it's just you kind of think, don't end on that. It's awful. It really is. It's just terrible. And I, again, I don't think it's I, again. I don't blame John Cleese. I don't think. I think it was the way that his yeah, cue was written. Yeah, but it was particular. That was particularly bad. And yeah. like I say, it, it brings everyone down because M was obviously in there as well. I think Money Penny's hanging around there too. So it's, you you have the whole ensemble, and it's just a bad scene that it's a shame because it brings every character down. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I can't believe I actually forgot about the the John Cleese version of the character. Uh, Gordon, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I got to back up Steve McCall there. Yeah, that would be my least favorite. And again, nothing against John Cleese. It's the way the whole scene was written. First of all, I feel that see the world um, die another day. There was a real, there was a feeling of excess, unnecessary, gratuitous excess throughout the whole film. And I think that first of all, like somebody pointed out in our review, going through the the workshop, it's like a sort of it's overloaded with references a bit too much at that point. Like it's like a museum of Bond gadgets. And I feel that the one liners are poor. You know, it's there's there's too many cheap imitations. Like it's too obviously the one he says. I don't joke about my work. It's like, don't even try that. You know, he's done so much better than Goldfinger. Let's do, you know, do something good. It's nice to, I think the likes of Spectre had nice, subtle nods to the past, as did maybe like Skyfall. But, you know, in, in Die Another Day, they tried too much with John Cleese's cue there to sort of, um, because it was the, the 20th film, to to hark back to the cues of the past. And it just, it just fails at almost every point. And it doesn't exactly help having a totally impossible invisible car either you know if yeah. that if that's meant to be your main gadget i mean sometimes q presented bond with simple but gadgets that are just full of impact like obviously the exploding pens are a good example steve you know that an invisible car is that that's just bullshit you know that shouldn't even been in a bond film yeah I, I think there's something to be said as well like if you're you know in terms of like you mentioned about ensemble sequences because um i think it's good how in A View to a Kill you get to see Bond and Q and M all together at Ascot at the, the horse racing, which I think was really nice, especially because Desmond Llewellyn and Lewis Maxwell was in it, you know, obviously Maxwell's final film. And also, you know, it's great seeing the three of them together at the wedding and in honour of Majesties as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, they're, they're great. Uh, yeah, so really the worst is the... Uh... John Cleese stuff and probably the ending of some of the films with the the smuttiness, um, catching Bond in bed stuff, the over repetition of that joke. Right, 
Okay, that's uh, we've covered quite a fair bit. I think we've really given some fair due to some of the best um, uh, Money Penny and Q scenes. Been great going over these. We've kind of covered. I mean, every Bond there had, you know, was we found something to to find in each of these films. We covered the wide spectrum from Doctor Who all the way through to Spectre. So, well done, guys. We've chosen a, a fantastic variety. Okay. Uh, yeah so that will end this podcast we will be back I will uh, go over the categories with you guys afterwards send them out to what we're hopefully doing well obviously next week if we're doing a podcast next week we can maybe try and do a Sean Connery tribute uh, we did find out during one of the podcasts today that he has passed away so we will be uh, going over uh, how we're going to do an episode on the man himself, Sean Connery, deservingly, uh, you know, needs needs we need to, I think, go over a lot of his what the legacy of what he did for the franchise, as well as what he as a man has done since. Uh, but yeah, that will be next week. So for now, thanks guys for joining me. We will see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>